Alright, we'll go ahead, if you don't mind, grab a seat here, we'll get started. Okay, well, uh, if I haven't got to meet you, my name's Rich Thatcher, and I'm one of the pastors here at the Firehouse Church, and I just want to welcome you here and just start everything by just saying, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for joining us on this Labor Day weekend. Uh, you guys get bonus points for being here on Labor Day. And uh, often we've done a Labor Day barbecue on this weekend because people are traveling and things like that. So we decided to, to go ahead and, and do our service. And I'm glad we did. I'm glad you made a choice to be with us here. A um, couple of things before we get started. Um, just maybe to reiterate some announcements and then I'll pray and we'll jump into our topic this morning. But... Um, I just want to give a personal pitch for the FPU, the Financial Peace University class. Um, you know, my wife and I went through it a year ago, and it has revolutionized our finances. And I didn't think our finances needed to be revolutionized. And so it's been very good. Um, it's helped us get uh, work together, be united more than we ever have related to our finances. And it just kind of helps marriage in general there uh, from our perspective. Um, other thing that since the class, you know, Pat Meyer shared, I think last week, that uh, the number, I forget the thousands of dollars that people who took the class last year removed, but um, the other thing that he didn't share was uh, ever since I took the class, people have been calling me rich. Like it's just, ever since, they just, wow, you know, and all right, yeah, that's terrible. They call me rich before as well. But anyways, um, great class. If you get a chance, I think you'll be blessed by it. Um, you know, there's, I, Pat hasn't shared the guarantee about becoming a millionaire in three to five years if you pass the class, but uh, that's because there's no guarantee. But uh, anyways, it's worked out well for Dave Ramsey, I'll tell you that much. But uh, anyways, uh, the other thing I was going to mention was uh, this ALS, the, the Ice Bucket Challenge. Quick question, how many of you have taken the Ice Bucket Challenge yet? Got a few out there? Ah, a couple of you. Okay, very good. Good job. I heard a statistic this last week, but since the Ice Bucket Challenge, which I think began about two weeks ago, maybe a little over two weeks ago, um, do you know how much has, has been raised for ALS? Uh, the number I heard was a couple days ago, but it's been $54 million raised for ALS re related to this Ice Bucket Challenge. I've not taken it. I was at Chipotle the other day, and I saw some people taking it right outside. I think the, the staff or the management was doing it. I had no idea what was going on. I got on Facebook a little bit after that, figured it out. But, um, um, but anyways, the other, stati other statistic about the, the Ice Bucket Challenge you may or may not have heard is that worldwide, uh, because of the Ice Bucket Challenge, the temperature on the planet has dropped 24 degrees in average. It is unbelievable. And so there's, uh, there's good things going on and there's ramp. No, I'm just joking. Uh, we'll see. I don't know if we'll get around to that myself, but I do have one, one mention of that later in the message here. I'll share with you about some of why I think that's been so successful. But anyways, I'm going to go ahead and pray. And we're going to jump into a message this morning related to the art of neighboring. So let's just uh, ask God to speak to us and bless our time here. Well, Lord Jesus, we do just thank you for this day. We thank you for giving us life today. We thank you for being here with us. Lord, I pray you would um, just open up a, a channel to each one of our hearts here, that we would hear your voice through your word and through your spirit. And, and God, that you would uh, help us to do some things that are on your heart uh, related to, to some of the verses we'll look at this morning. And help us, Lord, to grow 
um, as a church who's loving our neighbors, but help us to grow individually as you commanded to love your neighbor as yourself. And uh, we look to you. We ask we could hear from you. God, we ask for your grace to take action on anything you put on our hearts. Uh, We thank you again for for this day, for this morning. Um, And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let me see here. I got a clicker. Um, just we're going to do a quick review here for those that, who are new with us this morning. Just join us. We've started a series a couple weeks ago called "The Art of Neighboring." Uh, as Greg Miller mentioned last week, it's related to a book that has been published. Um, the authors of which are, are both from Denver. They, I think, are living in the Arvada, Westminster area now. And so um, it's really a, a movement that is, is taken off here. And so um, just to give you some overview of that real quick, um, let's see what we've got here. I'm not sure if my clicker's working, but Dale, we might have to do the... Click on demand. Yeah, there we go. Wonderful. Um, if you haven't got a chance, you know there's a website where you can look at all the... There's a number of free resources there. You can also get on a, a map. And they, they ask that if you'd be willing that you'd sign up for where you live and, and your, your name, maybe just your first name, your address. Um, and then also they say, hey, look, look at your neighborhood and see who else is doing this. There's a number of churches throughout the city, throughout the nation that are participating in the art of neighboring. And it's kind of fun to see who might be participating in your neighborhood. So um, I would ask how many of you have signed up, but um, I was on the website yesterday and I know where you live. And uh, some of you I do. But uh, I noticed that the only one that I saw from our church was some family that had their thing marked, their house marked, and it just said the Thatcher, you know. And um, that I accidentally typed it. I was going to say the Thatchers or Rich and Morgan, and it just says the Thatcher. And so if you look up... 51st equipment, you'll see the Thatcher lives there, and that, that means the whole family. I put the Firehouse Church on the map here. Nah, I didn't put the Firehouse Church on the map. I put us on that map here. I just said the Firehouse Church, our address. There's a number of people in our neighborhood that are doing this program, and and they are not us. You know, I didn't see our name. So if you get a chance, I did not receive any spam, any hate mail, anything like that by registering on their website there. So I don't think you'll have a problem if you're worried about that. But it is a way. They, they say one of the things you can do is see who's doing that in your neighborhood and, and go meet them and say, Hi, you know, our church is doing the art of neighboring too. You know, nice to meet you. And, you know, you can go from there. So if you get a chance... Um, we don't get any commissions off of that, and I don't think they do either, but uh, check it out. Uh, a couple other things here. Free gift today. Because it is Labor Day and you made a choice to be here, we have a free gift for you. Um, we will also give that gift out next week as well for those that didn't make it today. But we... Um, <laughs> We've been the, the series has been framed um, in light of three struggles that uh, seem to be common for people when it comes to loving our neighbors as ourselves. And so, uh, first week we talked about um, maybe I use the laser, Dale. Every time I need to click, I'll just hit the laser on you. Oops, sorry, watch your eyes there. Um, there it is. Um, So the first one was, you know, one of the challenges is that I think we can miss the importance that Jesus placed on loving our neighbors as ourselves. That was the whole first message several weeks ago. Last week, Greg Miller talked about um, 
the lack of time. You know, sometimes we go, oh, I, I really want to love my neighbors. I have good intentions and I just don't have the time. And Greg talked about some really practical things, uh, including creating space in our lives so that we can actually say hi to the neighbors, things like that, much less uh, grow a, a friendship with them. This morning we're talking about, um, this is part 2.5 is what I'm calling it because uh, part 3 will be next week or the week after there. But um, uh, 2.5 is we're going to talk about some practicals here. Really the transition from part 2 to part 3. We are going to talk about this free gift. Or we're going to give you a free gift. Um, and then, you know, the last part of this series, and we might even throw a part 4 in there. I think in my own world I was thinking about a part 4 that they didn't include in the book or in, in their campaign. But I was thinking of something like neighboring for dummies, you know, part 4. And, and I've got some great examples there. So, um, Anyways, but here we go. You know, this last week I had the, the privilege of going to uh, a uh, seminar up in Fort Collins where the authors of this book were, um, I think Dave Runyon on the left, on the right is uh, Jay Pathak. And they were in Fort Collins just talking with some, there were some city leaders there, there was some of the CSU football team there. Go Rams, uh, if you're a Rams fan. Uh, sorry, Buffs. Um, but uh, they, they shared how they were using some of the art of neighboring on their football team related to getting to know the guys in their neighborhood, in their cul-de-sac, I think they call it, but the guy in the locker next to him and next to him. And, and they said it really helped them break through barriers of like, otherwise their team was divided into cliques. So, you know, the guys from Texas, the guys from California, the guys, and they said they went through this process last year of, of kind of neighboring on their own team. And they had some amazing amazing stories of the, the unity and, and the things that happened in their locker room and so a couple of those guys shared as well but um, it was kind of funny I, um, I had sent an email to the guy uh, one of the authors is a, a pastor of a church not too far from us here and I sent an email about hey we're doing this in our church I'd love to kind of meet with you and, and talk more about this and I got an email back from his secretary that said you know um, he's been busy traveling and but, you know, he can take a phone call from you seven weeks from today if you want to go ahead and sign up for that. And, and I was like, ah, oh. someone else told me, you know, he's going to be in Fort Collins at our, you know, Mitch Majeski said, you got to come along up to this. You'll get to meet him there. So I did. I got to meet the guy there. I had met the other one before. So it was kind of funny. Busy, busy world. Um, and uh, I'll shed a little light on why. But anyway, so the art of neighboring. Some of you might go, okay, I thought I was going to church. What's this art of neighboring? What's this book that you're, you know, uh, promoting here and if you get a chance to read the book uh, we're trying to figure out if we're going to have copies for everyone or not but worst case you can get one off of uh, either the website or Amazon I think seven bucks a copy really really insightful book um, we're trying to see if we're going to get a whole bunch for us or not but um, uh, you know one of the, the things there uh, let's see here so where was I going with the book oh yeah yeah so thank you thanks Dale um but, you know, really the book has to do completely and entirely with this passage here and many practicals, the Great Commandment, the Great Commission. Uh, if you've probably heard anything from the Bible before, I hope you've heard these two verses before. And, and maybe you haven't, and that's okay, we'll talk about them. But if you have, sometimes it's easy to have a been there, done that, memorized that. I memorized this passage years ago, and only recently have I figured out how short I am falling on 
living out these verses, especially the second half of this. And, and so we'll just read that real quick again. Jesus was asked what the greatest commandments were by some guys that were testing him, some scholars. And his answer was this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So Jesus said, Here, here's it in a nutshell. Everything else hangs off of this. And in essence, there's nothing greater you can be thinking about living for than these two things. And that's a, that's a big deal. And again, some of you might go, yeah, well, you guys shared this verse last week and like the week before. And, um, and it's true. But I've become more and more, um, my heart's been impressed with the idea that me personally and, and us as a church, we're falling shorter in this world of loving our actual neighbors than I ever thought before. And that's the negative side. The positive side is we have a lot of opportunity for growth in this area of loving your neighbor. Me loving my neighbor, you loving your neighbor as yourself. And so what we're going to talk about this morning are just some practicals related to that. You know, I think sometimes people go, well, show me something new. Uh, you know, this is this pop culture. Give me, give me the latest, greatest new thing. And, and in some ways, I think God maybe has a, a season for us to go, uh, let's go back to something old, something you might know, something you might be familiar with, something you might not be doing all that well, Rich, or... or anyone here. And so we're going to look at this verse. I think of Jesus the last night he was with his disciples. He said, now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. And so we're hoping to, to get some blessing from doing some things maybe that we know about. A few thoughts that were shared at this seminar here that just really resonated with me as well. But one of them was, um, you know, they had talked about uh, the, the two authors of the book have now visited over 400 cities in the United States. Uh, on the subject of the art of neighboring. They were meeting up there in Fort Collins, and I don't know if they'd been there before or not, but they had some, some council people there. I think there was a state representative there, things like that. Um, but they said one of the things that, why they even got started, and their conversation just started in Arvada first and some, cities, uh, some other suburbs in the, the metro area, but now after having a lot more data points, one of the things that they found that has just been profound is that in talking with leaders from over 400 cities, one of the common denominators, one of the common themes is that has been that those city leaders would say there is no noticeable difference between Christian and non-Christian neighbors. No noticeable difference. And we know this is the great commandment. The great commandment, the great commission, this is the second most important thing Jesus said uh, that has been put out there, that everything else hangs off of this. And yet, city leaders time and time again are saying, you know what, in our city, there's no real difference between the Christian neighbors and those who are not Christian. And, and that really uh, started these guys that wrote this book thinking, uh, you know, we've got to... You know, the other thing they said um, was... Uh, let's see here. One of the guys just said the comment. You know, these guys are both kind of funny. I think they're like a, you know, like a little act when they get out there. It's kind of like Ernie and Bert. They're, they're really funny. They play off of each other. But uh, they're, they're a little sarcastic, too. You might pick it up in the book if you read it. But, um, you know, one of the guys just said... As he was talking to, uh, you know, the city leader was talking to a room full of pastors when she first shared this. And, you know, he kind of was like, you're telling a room full of pastors that we actually need to, to be Christians like more than just on Sunday? Like, 
all week long, like even with our neighbors. I mean, and he said it was just like this knife to the heart type of thing. But, um, but you know, I think it's true, you know, it, for us as well. Sometimes I think we, we can think loving our neighbors is it's carried out from, you know, 10 to noon here or something like that. And we go and do the rest of our week. And um, I think God wants us to be Christians more than just on Sunday morning. He wants us to be Christians on Monday morning uh, when you're in rush hour traffic. He wants us to be Christians on Friday night when we say we're Christian but we're doing... We're not distinguishable from anyone else around us. Um, God wants us to represent... Jesus wants us to represent His name 24-7. And, you know, I've thought about it. I don't know if, you, uh, if you're ever driving to church. Uh, you know, how many of you on the way to church have, maybe even this morning, honked your horn at somebody? Anyone do that this morning? I didn't. I was going to church. Of course you don't do that. How about a Monday morning? Uh, how about Friday afternoon? Any of you ever honking your horn? You know, sometimes we can think, well, of course, I don't do that on the way to church because, well, that's just not very fitting. And the rest of the week, you know, our neighbors go, yeah, this guy, this Yahoo living next door to me. I don't know where he goes Sunday morning, but I know what's going on the rest of the week right next door here. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and I've sometimes thought about, yeah, you know, I try not to honk the horn at someone on the way to church because, you know, what if they're going to my church? You know, I go, that's, that's a bad idea. Sometimes I try to picture, you know, I, I can get frustrated. You know, some people cut you off and things like that. It's always worse when they do it than when I do it, right? Um, it's a big deal. But, um, I, you know, sometimes I imagine, what if this person I'm honking at, I can't see who's in the driver's seat, but what if it's like Dennis Clark? You know, what if it's like Tim Cavanaugh? They're going, what were you doing? You, what was that signal you were giving me in the mirror there, buddy? Um, uh, but... I don't know how it goes with you, but the point is uh, God has called us to be Christ-like all week long, every day, Friday night, Saturday night, Monday morning, Friday afternoon. And, and this, is, this is a part of that. Loving our neighbors is, is a huge part of that. We're, we're at home a lot more than we are other places, you know. And so um, let's see what we have next here. So, you know, two of the stories that we've covered so far um, are, one is from Luke chapter 10 here. Actually, the two of them are back to back here. And, you know, one is the, I thought I'd just read this through this real quickly here, but it's the passage of the Good Samaritan, and um, I just read a few snippets of it here, and... Make a, make a point or two from it. But, um, you know, at one point, the, Jesus is engaged with this guy about love your neighbor as yourself. The guy's like, who is my neighbor? And then Jesus shared this. And uh, I just thought I'd share verse 30 here to 37. But in, in reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, uh, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. And he went to him and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robber? The expert in the law replied, The one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, Go and do likewise. And you know, one thing I think about this passage, it's known as the parable of the Good Samaritan, but 
you know, the passage titles that are put in on paragraphs here, those were not in the original manuscripts. You know, sometimes I wonder if this shouldn't have been called the good neighbor. Um, because neighbor is mentioned, it's, it's the point of the conversation. It's the illustration is related to what a neighbor looks like. The final thing is about what a neighbor should do. Uh, it's the Good Samaritan. I get that. It has some momentum there. We're not going to turn that one around. But, um, but the idea is uh, about how to be a good neighbor. We talked about that um, in some ways this can be a little like a metaphor that, well, yeah, you know, if you're walking down the street and you see this happen. Um, but that would be true. In some ways that's kind of like... A, it's like graduate course on Christianity. That's Christianity 501, you know. Metaphorically loving your neighbor when you're in a situation like this and you happen by someone. And, but, you know, Christianity 101, love your neighbor, is it's loving your literal neighbor, your actual neighbors. And before we get to the graduate level course, we really got to make sure we're doing all right in the, in the basic course here. And, and the reality is we probably all have room for improvement there. Um, and, you know, the next thing that, that stands out to me is that, um, uh, you know, the passage on the Great Commandment, the Great Commission, that's in several of the Gospels, but there's this one passage here on, on Martha and Mary that's only, that story is only contained in the Gospel of Luke. But it just so happens accidentally to be placed right next to what in the book of Luke? Well, right next to the Good Samaritan story. Right next to it, and we see this situation here of, uh, we'll just read that real quick. Um, uh, Jesus and his disciples, this follows the very next verse that we stopped at. Uh, Jesus and his disciples were on the way. They came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. That's very good. Um, and she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Uh, the New American Standard said she was distracted by all her preparations. Um, and she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. You know, there was a few years ago, I remember just when, when God put the thought together in my mind, some of you might have already thought this, and maybe you haven't, but the idea that the Good Samaritan story was followed immediately by the Martha and Mary story. And who do you think, if they were coming down the road and happened upon a person in need, who do you think would have been more likely to help the, good, the, the guy in need? Martha, who's worried and distracted by all her things, or Mary? Anyone vote for Martha? Yeah, as a few. Martha, maybe, I don't know. I tend to think uh, she would have been worried and distracted like those other guys that passed her by. You know, the implications of the two others were one was involved with the work of the church, kind of in a full-time capacity, a priest. A Levite would maybe considered a lay person who was volunteering, and they both were probably had other things to do. Maybe there was some ceremonial things they didn't want to mess up their world with, and they went to the other side. And, um, you know, the Samaritan helped out. But I think if Martha and Mary were walking down the road, um, my guess is it would have been Mary who would have stopped and helped. And if Jesus was walking down the road with these two, well, my guess is Mary would have been tagging along with Jesus. Jesus would have stopped, maybe performed a miracle. And Mary would have been, come on guys, we've got to get to the, the next thing here. And uh, when it comes to loving our, our neighbors, uh, I just think there's so much to learn about Martha and Mary and the differences there and how that plays out in our lives 
in in our neighborhoods. Um, last week, Greg Miller shared a point about we need to create space. If we're going to love our neighbors, you've got to have some margin in your life that allows you to spontaneously help somebody out, or, or not even spontaneously, but actually on purpose help somebody out, you know, it's not just a random opportunity, but that that's the mode we live in, and we have to create space, we have to prioritize our lives, but, you know, I think of what was going on in Mary's world here, this next verse here, but uh, I love this, you know, he said, only one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen what is better. You know, in some ways, to have that space, it starts from a choice. You know, it says here, Mary made a choice to sit still at the Lord's feet and listen to Him, listen to His Word. And if we're going to be where we need to be in loving our neighbors, somewhere along the way, it's got to start with a choice. Have you made a choice to sit still at the Lord's feet this day? Um, because if you do that and you walk connected with the Lord all day long, you're probably going to have some opportunities that you would see, that you would make the most of, that you and I wouldn't if we're like Martha and we got, I have so much to do. And, and trust me, I feel like that all the time. And, you know, I could relate to maybe the priest or the Levite that crossed over because they had, they're, they're so busy. But I feel like God wants me to be more and more like, Mary and making a choice to start connected with the Lord because then I'll know what's on His heart. And on, on the Lord's heart, you know, two things that are really on His heart, loving God and loving your neighbor. And, and there's nothing greater than those two things. And yet our lives are filled with things that don't directly tie into those. And, and I think God wants to do some, some changes there. But let's see this next... Um, we're going to watch a video here, actually, is what we're going to do here. Um, this one just maybe, I think it speaks to this, this point of that we know the theory and then there's got to be a reality to it. Let's watch this video and then we'll wrap up with a few practicals. Someone want to hit the lights in the back of the room there as well, if you don't mind? because we no longer work in the same place that we live, we travel, uh, much of our lives are in this some other spot that doesn't have this collective nature of community. We're less uh, reliant on individual contact at the door, next door, in town, etc. We pull into our driveways and the garage door closes and you go into your house, you come out and drive away. It's very easy to, to not think about them, you know, to think about your home, my work, the other things I have to do, and to forget that there's a someone with the real life with the real story right next door on the other side of the fence. Hi, we're Todd and Carla Tilpa, and uh, we moved into this neighborhood six and a half years ago, um, not knowing what God would have for us here, but uh, he has brought some wonderful folks into our lives, especially our neighbor Chris and her family. My name is Chris, and I have been a longtime foster parent, and I've adopted seven kids out of the foster system. We were thought the Clampets had moved in. <laughs> Just lots of stuff is left out all over and it trickles around the neighborhood. In the summertime, it's, there's stuff everywhere and not only in their house, but at our house and our yard. So we joke about that with Chris and her family. Man, the Clampets need to clean up their front yard. You know, it's just me. 
managed chaos, I think, is the best way to look at that. And some things get dropped to the wayside. It's not like we've gotten past it and everything's fine now. Um, there's still a struggle. There's still stuff in, when I get home from work and there's stuff in our front yard, we're like, ah. But, you know, that's uh, that's part of it. It just It's remaining in the mess and remaining in the relationship, even though there's some frustrations and, and things like that. And I think to look beyond that, the outward appearance and go, okay, what's going on there that is a lot deeper? And, and knowing that in the midst of all that mess, Chris and their family is investing in the lives of kids that nobody else wanted. And so can we join her in that? Can we join her in investing in those kids? My neighborhood has really, really, really embraced my family. You know, you've heard that saying, it takes a village. It really does take a village to raise kids and be in a household this size. I know they got my back. I know that they do. And they do it because they want to help. Now I'll tell you the other thing that is tempting at times is to look at them like a project. Yeah. Like we're going to teach them how to clean up and take care of their yard and clean their house and stuff like that. And so it's it, it's been um, that that's a temptation, uh, but it, it it's a part of us that we've kind of discovered to go. You know, it's it's not about them being a project. It's it's about just loving them where they're at in the midst of that. And then being the receivers of that too. You know, because it's it's not just us loving on them, man, Chris has loved on our family in incredible ways, has loved our kids, has ministered to our kids, to us personally, in really wonderful ways. I mean, our neighborhood has become our missional community, and that's who we do life with, is our neighbors. Probably the greatest cost is, is time um, and, and just comfort, you know. I mean, sometimes it feels like an invasion um, when there's a crisis going on or just uh, she wants to sit and talk or, or whatever and, uh, you know, the nuggets are on or something else. And and uh, and so, yeah, it, and sometimes you're very aware of that and other times it doesn't feel like a big deal. It has helped me so, so, so incredibly much just for them to care enough just as a neighbor to come over and like what can we do to help all right well i'd like to transition from the in some ways the the theoretical martha and mary scenario the theoretical good samaritan into the, the reality of your actual neighbors and neighborhoods and really just would ask the question that we have here, um, how, how's it going with loving your neighbors? We've been talking about this for several weeks now, but I would like to throw it out, not as a rhetorical question, but how's it going out there with your neighbors? Anyone, uh, anyone have any opportunities to, to meet the neighbors or, or have conversation or something like that? And I know I don't think we have the ability to get you all a mic, but if you have a thought or a story, a brief one, I'd love to, to hear just some others going, well, how, how's it going in neighboring here? Yeah, Sandra. Very cool. Good, good. Other other people meet a neighbor here? Yeah, Josh. Yeah, the point is just uh, when we started this, um, the whole meeting uh, neighbor thing, I met with this new guy that came there on Sunday, and uh, I was going hiking, right? I was about up in my car, 
Hey, my name is Tim. I just came in here and talked to you a little bit. We really uh, hit it off and got along. And he's like, you know, uh, um, I'd like to do something with you. And I'm like, yeah, me too. And uh, I think we talked a lot now. And I'm trying to find out more about him. That's very cool. You got a name, Tim. All right, that's a good start. Can't love your neighbor if you don't know their name. Um, that's good. What uh, other stories out there? Things going on. Anyone live next door to the Clampets at all? Uh, no. Erica, you have a story? Very good, very cool. Well, that's, oh, yeah, some more over there. Uh Well, good, good. Well, you know, the hope would be, I think we're going to look for opportunities to continue to share stories of how, how's it going with meeting your neighbors, your actual neighbors. Um, and this is where our free gift comes in. Oh, drum roll, please. Where's Josh? You want to get up here on one of these things? You cannot believe it. We, you are receiving this as a free gift. We, we paid the cost for this here. But our hope is to give everyone here... And who is my neighbor? Refrigerator magnet. So that you can get crazy and uh, write the name of your neighbors down. Let's go ahead and pass these out here if we could. We'd like to, we've got a bunch of them, so make sure you take one. Uh, I don't know, you can put one on each side of the fridge if you want to at home for the, the husbands and the his and hers. Uh, I, my guess would be the hers is going to have more names on it than the, the, the his writes down. But uh, we uh, encourage you all to take one of these. These are... Um, you know, when I was at the um, this seminar this last week, the workshop on, on the art of neighboring, the guys said, you know, this is uh, this is one of the things that has been almost the bread and butter of the the neighboring movement, and it's where you go and you can actually start writing down the names of people because you met them and you remember their name enough, long enough to write it down. You can begin praying for them. You can begin writing down more things about them. And, you know, one of the things they shared that uh, if you're the type of personality that goes, my block does not look like this, uh, I don't want it, you know, um, you're going to have to get creative, use your imagination a little bit. Not everyone's block looks like this, and, and I, I get that. My block is, uh, I don't know if I told you, on my street from uh, one side, uh, we have 10 houses, the other side we have 11, so we have, uh, what is that, 21 houses with over 40 people represented just on, on my block. It doesn't fit on this magnet quite like this, but I, I've been working on it just to get to get things written down there. You might have to figure out what's the best pen to use. I, I use the Sharpie. That seems to be pretty good. If you have a high turnover ratio in your, your block, you might use a dry erase. I don't know. Um, figure that out. Um, 
But this is just a tool. They said, you know, if we could do one thing, we'd have people just do this. And um, it was funny to listen to these guys talk. You know, I did a message last week in our leadership time talking about, you know, as a Christian... Um, God wants us to, to raise the bar, to have a really high bar. And then, you know, Christ helps us clear that bar. And uh, when I went to this, this time, these guys, they had a different tact that they took with their church. And they said, you know, we, we just have a really low bar when it comes to neighboring. And our, and our bar is this. Just start writing your neighbors' names down. Start talking to them. They say it's it's just a really low bar. He, he reckoned it, they, they call it the bar of shame. It's so low that you just would be ashamed not to jump over it. You know? And I was like thinking, we talked about this really high bar, but their approach is probably working for what they're trying to do. But you know, They say it's just meet your neighbors. Write their name down and, and start going from there. You know, and, and I go, you know, that's... Uh, it's amazing. You know, one of the guys shared, Mitch Majeski shared about the, uh, the ALS, the ice bucket challenge thing. But he said one of the reasons why he believes it's been so successful is that it's so simple and yet it's very tangible. And, and people are doing this and there's a little, little effort here and it's added up. But you know, he said the same thing is true of this uh, neighboring movement. It's so simple. I mean, really? get to know the names of my neighbors. Uh, yeah, that, that's pretty tangible, pretty simple, and yet I think there's an impact that we can begin to have that we have not had yet, I believe, in our neighborhoods and, and as a church. And so I'm excited to see what God's going to do with that. Just a few touch points on, on meeting some of my neighbors here. Um, uh, I've got to talk to one. Uh, one Kayla lives next door to us. Now, this household is an interesting one. It's not the Clampets, but it's a college house that I, I reckon sometimes there's anywhere from five to ten people live there. I don't really know, but I do know a couple of people on the lease, and Kayla is one of them. Um, and and you know her roommate is Bree. I thought it was real funny. I joked with we used to have a Kayla and Bree here that are now out in Oklahoma, um, but with the church plant there. But Kayla, Bree, and then they had one named. Ashley. Ashley has now moved. Someone is coming. I think Jessica I got to meet. But uh, Kayla was walking up to the house the other day and, you know, I'm like, ah, you know, these guys, sometimes we can have some thoughts on how life is playing out at midnight over there. And um, but so I talked to her and I was like, hey, you know, I, I can't remember, you know, have I met you before? And she said, yeah, it's Kayla. And I'm like, I met Kayla like 10 times. Yes, it is. I didn't recognize. I have a problem with, I can remember the name, but I couldn't place the face. It's kind of the challenge. So I've got a whole bunch of names. And just this last two weeks, I have reconciled faces with names a little better here. But, you know, she was just talking. They were out looking for their dog. They, they had just uh, got a rescue dog and the dog ran away and they were all concerned. And, and I was like, I have a new data point on, on these guys and oh, I'm sad they lost their dog. You know, We'll keep an eye out for it. We'll just, as long as they're not in the chicken coop, we'll be alright here. But uh, uh, my chicken, but they weren't. You know, so, but a touch point with Kayla there and figured out the roommates and you know, I think one boyfriend actually does live there. And so I think I know four names of those guys. Um, that I didn't, I wasn't sure of before. I thought they'd all moved, or I didn't know who was there after this summer. But anyways, another touch point is uh, I met uh, my neighbor Jeff. You know, and I, I think I'd met Jeff and Courtney before. He's a guy that I had shared. He does uh, his work is at night, and he video tapes people while they're sleeping, and they, um, they he studies sleep apnea. So if you got sleep apnea, they can hook you up to some electrodes. And uh, no, I don't think electrodes is actually a word. Electrodes is. I think what they are. 
Um, but he says, you know, they study them and they do these things. And I was talking to him about how I sleep, I sleepwalk and my kids, I pass it on. He said, it's hereditary. And so we had a good talk. But eventually, uh, you know, I, I asked him about this idea. I've been talking to some of the neighbors about a barbecue. I'm saying, hey, you guys want to have a barbecue sometime? We'll just all get some grills out and hang out. And he's like, totally, that sounds great. And But Jeff, I knew his name. And uh, his wife had been to our garage sale a couple months ago. So we knew her. I knew her face. I could not remember what he looked like. And so, uh, and it was one of those, kind of like what Sandra talked about. I was going on a run, getting ready to run. And, you know, I hit my stopwatch to start. And it's going to take off there. As, you know, the, the dream mile. What is that pace? Uh, four minute miles there I run. But, um, no, just joking. But, but I look over there and I see this guy on the lawn. I'm thinking, I think that's Jeff. I just don't know for sure. He has headphones on. Talk about an excuse to not engage with your neighbor. If they have headphones on, they don't want you to talk to them, right? Well, I felt like the Lord was prompting me, yeah, go talk to him anyways. And so, you know, he pulled out one of his earplugs and we started talking. And it was a great conversation, but I had to make a choice to do it because uh, I, I knew God wants me to get to know my neighbors and get to know the faces of the names that I have been able to write down. And um, I thought it was a great step there that God gave me an opportunity to do. Um, Last one here. We're, we're trying to invite a, a family over for uh, for dinner here. We're down into the final. We tried last week to, to work, and they had visitors in town, so we're going to try this week. But uh, I had a breakthrough with my relationship with Mark here. Um, we have started texting, you know. So, uh, uh, you know, and, and texting requires requires two data points. I mean, you hope you know their name if you got the phone number, but you got to get a phone number, right? And so then you can start communicating and. Our friendship has taken a whole new level there, um, but not really. He's kind of like me. I'm not the greatest texter in the world, so we, we have a few texts here and there. We're figuring it out, but um, you know, I think these are opportunities God gave me as I'm getting to know my neighbors. Greg shared this last week. We're all doing this from, uh, we're in the same boat here, guys. I am, and you are, and you know, if you're a neighboring expert, great. Um, uh, keep it up, and if you're not, well, welcome. You know, we can share our woes together and our little, bit, little victories here together, but Encourage you guys to keep um, keep that up, and we'll encourage you to work on the names here. Get the names going. Get some more. You can pray about it. You know, my wife was kind of like, "Well, what if they know their names are on the fridge?" And I'm like, "Hun, it's just we're, we we're no, learning the neighbors' names. I think they'll be glad to know we know their name, right? Uh, we don't. They don't have to know we're praying about this and that or whatever. But uh, it's uh, I think it's a good thing if they see it on your fridge. You know, you take an extra magnet, give them one too, and you know, write your name down on it for them. Um, but anyways, uh, so let's keep going here. The other thing to be thinking about, I just was thinking about loving our church neighbors. In some ways, maybe we think about that more than our literal neighbors. This whole series is about loving our literal neighbors. But I encourage you to keep thinking about the neighbors uh, who visit our church. You know, we have some people visiting. God has blessed us with a number of visitors throughout the summer. And I just want to encourage you to keep meeting those neighbors and get crazy and remember a name and, and build rapport. The next slide we have have here is just um, watch for opportunities to take little steps with our neighbors here. The next point. You know, uh, they have, they use in this, this book a lot the idea of going from stranger to acquaintance, from acquaintance to, they say, meaningful friendship, meaningful relationship, friendship. Um, but we want to think of that with our literal neighbors and with people who are visiting the church. But, you know, one of the biggest transitions from stranger to acquaintance, you know what the transition is there? From stranger to acquaintance. 
knowing the name. Yeah, you know, if you don't know their name, you might as well just say, hey, stranger, how's it going? You know, um, or guys have the advantage of saying, hey, man, hey, dude, good to see you again. Um, women, I don't know if they have lingos like that so much. Hey, you. Um, whatever, guys can get away with a little more there. But um, when you learn their name and you start using their name and building a rapport, remembering things about them. You go from the stranger to now this is some sort of acquaintance here. And then, you know, as you're building common ground, you, you just kind of, you're building that rapport. Eventually, you, you get into the world of, you know, I might even call this person a friend. They might even call me a friend uh, because I spent some time with them. And, and so I just think about us as a church that we want to continue to, uh, you know, instead of just, hey man, how's it going? Or good to see you again, dude. Um, uh, Bob, I know your name there. But, uh, you know, you, you want to just try to find some common ground. And you'll be amazed, I think, at how much common ground God might give you. I heard the story of a couple weeks ago that we had the, the two Sarahs from Australia were here. And uh, they were both from the same city in Australia and they ended up here coming to this church. The chances of that are like astronomical or something like that. But, um, but anyways, um, but I think the other thing is we want to be loving our neighbors, even our church neighbors. It's going to require time outside of our hour or two here. We've got to find, we've got to have enough bandwidth to go, boy... So you like doing that? Well, I like doing that. Let's let's go on a hike. Let's uh, let's grab coffee together. We're gonna the way you bridge the gap from acquaintance to friendship is by spending time with them. And and I know there was a couple here recently, just uh, new over the last month or two. I just got to sit down with them over coffee and hear their stories a little more. And by the time we were done, I think we went from acquaintance to I, I would call them a friend. They would call me a friend. Maybe you know just getting started. But it takes a little time. And I think we need to carve out those choices again. Again, this all comes back to the Mary and Martha thing here, this next point, just that we've got to take time prioritizing our lives, creating space. It really comes down to spending time connected with the Lord, uh, catching His heart, that how important this is to Him, and then maybe asking Him for wisdom or praying for Him to give us opportunities and coordinate things sovereignly. And, um, but it all comes back to that. So I hope... Um, that you are making time, you know. And if you're still trying to figure out your faith and things like that, that's that's great. We're, we welcome you here. We're glad you're here, and we'd love to help you kind of get connected with Christ, maybe for the first time as as your Lord and Savior. But if you'd call yourself a Christian, you know, yeah, I need to just I, I just sat at the Lord's feet like one time this last week. Well, that's okay. We love you. We all got room for improvement, but it's going to affect. Jesus said it affects everything you do. There's only one thing that's needed here. And that was it. And we need to realize that's going to be true tomorrow and the next day. If we're going to love our neighbors, it's got to start with the right motivations. It's got to start with sitting with the guy who told us to love our neighbors and the guy who died on the cross for our sins. And um, it's got to start with Christ there. So um, anyways, um, last thing I just want to share here is just this idea in the next point here, Dale. Um, we, I, I joke that, you know, I was talking to my kids about this the other day. Um, we had a fun little conversation about, and I will get your guys' feedback here as well, but what can you think of in life that is free? What is truly free that we have in life? You know, some people say there's no free lunches. You know, this, maybe the cynical people can say that more than the other, but what, what is truly free in life? Yes, Kenneth, this was free. This is free to you. So we had to pay big bucks for this. I think these are 35 cents, but it's free to you. Um, but what other things can you think of in life? Like my kids are like, oh, you know, this and that. They came up with one. I go, that is probably free. Some of these other ones. What's free? 
Air, that's one we came up with too. Air is free. We joke, we talked about the rain. Rain is free, but rain is not free. If you pay taxes, you get your rain tax, right? And if it lands on your roof, it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword. You don't get to keep it, and you've got to pay for it to, to make it down the road. You know, it's kind of a, rain is not free. Air is free. Any other free things we have? Sunshine. Sunshine's free when it's available, right? I mean, yeah, that's, uh, that's true. It's free most of the time. Colorado, 300 days a year or something. Other free things. Lost and found is free. I hear you. I hear you. I've got a couple good pairs of sunglasses from Lost and Found. And if you recognize them, just ask for them back. I don't have any uh, attachment to them. Um, but, uh, but, you know, sometimes uh, there's things that are free. Uh, air, I guess, is free. I'm sure there's going to be a way to figure out how to tax that or something uh, or clean air or whatever. But, you know, there's some things that are free to us, though someone else paid for them. You know, I think of the magnet. It's free to everyone here. Yeah, it was paid for somewhere along the way. You know, free lunches, whatever. They're, someone paid for them and they're offered free. But, you know, heaven is the same way. Heaven, there was a cost that came for heaven um, to be available. And it's offered free to you and to me. This verse here says, The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Heaven is made available free to everyone. Um, and yet it came at a, a great price. Jesus Christ gave His life so that heaven could be offered free to you while He paid for the sins of, of you and I. And if you have not received that free gift, I was talking to a guy here recently, I've been dialoguing with him for a number of years, um, but as we talk, he, he always throws in the idea of kind of earning his way to heaven. You know, I did another good thing, you know, and uh, there was an angel received its wings in heaven or something like that, you know, and, and we kind of joke about that, but I'm kind of trying to go, is this guy really a Christian or not? And so just uh, a couple days ago, uh, he was here and we were talking about, you know, and we just, he said something, I did something and, you know, the bells were ringing in heaven again or something and um, I'm working my way into it. And I said, you know, uh, heaven is offered as a free gift. You know that heaven is a free gift and and really, when you catch that, it's a free gift made available through Jesus and what He did. But when you catch that, then everything else you do can be out of gratitude. It can be a way of putting icing on the cake and saying thanks to the one who died for you. But it's a free gift, guys. And if you haven't received it, you know, it's, there's a few verses here just to wrap up with. But it's... Um, um, Yet to all who received Him, speaking of, of Jesus... To all receive Him, to those that believe in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. I love this passage here in 1 John 5. It just says, uh, talking about having the Son and having eternal life. But it says, He who has the Son has the life. You know, heaven is a free gift. Um, and it's made available through Jesus Christ. And if you have Christ in your life, you have eternal life. You have received the gift if you've received Him. It's not an academic thing. It's not an intellectual thing. There's a person who died on the cross for you who's very real, who cares about you, who's wooing you to himself and uh, wants to be invited into your life. And, and all you have to do is to receive him. And, and it's a free gift. Eternal life, forgiveness, new life. It's all made available to you freely. And I hope you know that. I hope you're not trying to work your way into heaven through... Uh, you know, your, your religious activities, your neighboring activities, you know, that's not going to get you there. Um, you know, it could be a blessing if your Savior knows that you're doing that because you, you want to show your love to Him and He asked us to do that. But um, my hope is that each one of you would, if you haven't, that you would receive the free gift of eternal life 
through receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And, and we're going to close with a prayer here. If you've got questions about that, feel free to ask me or one of the other pastors, uh, someone you've met here before. We'd love to share more. But um, maybe we'll just, uh, just pray. and We'll bow our heads real quick here. But um, if this is something that, that you feel like you want to do, you want to receive Christ and the free gift of eternal life, you might just uh, pray something like this from your heart. Um,